man. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by BKCW. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And the guys are live at Jerry World right there in Arlington, getting ready for the Big 12 Championship tomorrow. In case you can't see the huge building in the background. Jerry, I know you're freezing. I'm sure you're hating Bobby's idea right now. But look, look, man, I'm not a cold weather guy. I broke out the gloves for the first time, the Under Armour gloves for the first time since Under Armour practice in Orlando when it was freezing one year. But we're at the Walmart parking lot with AT&T behind us, and in front of us is the Oklahoma State 18-wheeler, uh, which I posted a photo on Inside Texas of that. So, uh, no, nah, man, we're having fun. We're making the most of this, man. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to go to the Big 12 championship every year, and certainly not next year, considering uh, the Longhorns were headed to the SEC. This is the final year. Uh, I say, why not go out in style, come here this morning, uh, be in front of uh, Jerry World. It's not named after Hamilton, by the no. way. It's named, named after a different Jerry. Uh, but uh, look, Longhorns right now, guys, uh, a day away from destiny, perhaps. Uh, going into this game, a 15-point favorite now in Vegas, uh, Texas, uh, expecting – uh, to be extremely healthy for this game. As of right now, only Austin Jordan, according to Steve Sarkeesian in his press conference yesterday, is out for this game. Uh, that means Ryan Watts, a uh, young man that's been a starter for Texas for two years now at cornerback, could be available. The question is whether or not he will play. And yes, Dan Fields, F-A-F-O, that, uh, that is the mantra of this Texas football team, it appears. Uh, tomorrow at 11 o'clock on ABC uh, the Longhorns take on Oklahoma State. Some other news real quick. Um, there are reports uh, and rumors more than reports that Tate Rodemaker, uh, the backup quarterback for Florida State, uh, is having is debating or is potentially not going to start. That means that Florida State would be down to its number three quarterback in its matchup tomorrow, or tomorrow night at 7 o'clock against uh, Louisville uh, and Jeff Brom's team. Uh, if that is the case, uh, the Longhorns have a real shot here. We have to see what happens in Arlington first. Tomorrow, the Longhorns have to take care of business. That, guys. And, of course, another another big game tonight that, you know, may have an effect on what the Horns are doing. Oregon and Washington, Pac-12 championship, going to be played tonight instead of tomorrow like all the rest of them. I mean, we'll see what happens there. But that, that could have huge implications. You know, I, I, Tom Luganville was on uh, a couple days ago with us, and he really likes Oregon. And I and I kind of poked some fun about Boo uh, Corgan and his Bo Nix comments just because, you know, come with some substance if you're going to say something. But I agree with, with Tom that, you know, I, I talked to an assistant coach in the Pac-12 earlier in the week, and he said Oregon was by far the best team they played, and they looked like an SEC team physically, up front on both lines, and with speed at skill. Um, and obviously they have the veteran experience at quarterback. I like Oregon in this game. I think Washington, you know, they they they, they play just well enough. But I think Oregon's going to avenge this loss tonight. I'll be shocked if it doesn't go uh, the way of the Ducks uh, tonight. Which you know, then you know, still I think I still think this all comes down to FSU and Louisville tomorrow. I mean, I do think Joel Klatt had a point. If Alabama were to beat Georgia, I think that pulls Texas with Georgia. And that puts the committee in a very tough spot with Florida State if Florida State wins, because it's going to be hard to bring Alabama if you don't bring Texas. 
in that scenario. So there's two scenarios out there for Texas. I still think number one is Louisville beating FSU by far and away. Uh, and number two would be Alabama beating Georgia because that could fool Texas. You don't think Iowa's going to beat Michigan? I, you know, I think I have a better chance of being on a beach today than Iowa has of, uh, of beating Michigan. I'm going to be real. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, guys, we, we've had a lot of uh, questions already in the chat, and I, I know we talked about it at length yesterday, but I, I want to go ahead and knock this out of the way. Um, we, we talked about Transfer Portal, but Antoine Juice Wells, South Carolina, I know the on three South Carolina sites even said Texas is a likely destination. Jerry, can you give folks the rundown on that? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's premature right now. Um, he doesn't go officially in the portal till December 4th, right? Um, so there's going to be other names jump in the portal. Um, and so we'll see We'll see what happens there. I don't – I've not heard anything concrete at this point in time. But here's the reality. We won't. He doesn't go in the portal till December 4th. And if word starts to get out that, oh, Texas is interested in this guy, well, that, that's a whole – That's all. I've got something to say about that. So I have some insight here. As of right now, Texas is not contacting Juice Wells, even in back back room conversations, uh, allegedly. And what that means to me is Texas is a hot school, and people that are transferring want to mention Texas because they want to up the price. That's right. That's what that means to me. So the agent that's doing the work for Juice Wells and other guys, if you want to increase your bid, mention Texas. That's that's a That's a sure way to do it, guys. No doubt about it, y'all. All right, well, we got some more questions. Plenty of time to get your questions in. Real quick, before we get to that, uh, we're going to have Tuck and Diamante Tucker Dorsey on at 8.30, and then Scott Wright of the Oklahoman. He's a beat writer that covers Oklahoma State has for a while now. He'll be on at 9. Uh, so lots of content coming here in just a little bit. Hey, Blake, I want to say thanks to our friends at BKCW. They help support uh, things like this uh, live stream today live from Jerry World. We didn't get here for free. Uh, thank you very much to them and their sponsorship. Uh, if you've been, if you're a business and have had business insurance for a long time, it's often that your insurance agent doesn't call you until the very last minute, give you a, a, a song and dance about, oh, your rates are going to go up this amount. They actually don't work with you all year long. They don't go through a, a presentation that allows you to plan for your business's needs the year ahead of time. They call that the insurance trap, and that's what BKCW, the guys at the at BKCW, try to take care of for you. It's a Longhorn-owned uh, business, uh, commercial insurance, employee benefits, all of it. Give them a call, 512-250-5055, or email them at info at BKCW. You can also go to their website and learn more. And remember, escape the insurance trap with BKCW. Uh, we want to thank them for sponsoring each and every Friday show. And uh, as we said, plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. But I know we just talked about the transfer portal, um, but we also have some other questions here. And let's get to how about this one from E. Kim? Let's go back to some of these conference games. We got some questions on those. He said, good morning from Rockford, Illinois. What do you think about the Louisville versus Florida State line moving down again? I, I think it's twofold. I think, obviously, there's some reports out there that maybe Tate Rodemaker's not going to play. I mean, we'll see on that. I also think just uh, the more people look at this game, um, they're realizing that, look, Louisville, um, 
Little moved the ball in Kentucky last week over 400 yards, only gave up 280. Kentucky didn't run the ball great on Louisville last week. Um, Ray Davis, very good player. Uh, they ran it down Florida's throat earlier in the season. They didn't run it like that on Louisville. Louisville had three turnovers in that game. Uh, so I, I think there's a ma- I think people are looking at that as well with uh, Florida State. And obviously, I think the biggest question is Rodermaker going to play uh, because the last thing uh, Florida State wants to go into tomorrow is a true freshman quarterback making his first start ever in the ACC championship game. I mean, that's that's not what you want. But I also think the more people look at this game. They know that if Louisville, if Louisville can handle the pass rush, they're going to move the football, and they're going to score more than 15 points, which is all Florida could muster at home last week. And I then I think other people are also looking at this as, if Graham Mertz plays last week, does Florida State even win that game? I mean, so I think there's more questions about Florida State as the week's gone on than there were when the line first came out. Hey, here's an interesting question while we're talking about Florida State. Tyler Davis says, if Florida State has to start their third-string quarterback, it begs the question, are we the only program in the country who would have a legit confidence in their QB3, whether irrational or not? I mean, maybe. It's not Joey McGuire that has the the best uh, QB room in the country. No, 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 it's not. I mean, look, I I know Texas fans after last Friday would be – they'd feel confident if something – unfortunate transpired. Uh, I don't think it will, but uh, if Arch had to take the field, I think their uh, Texas fans would be confident on uh, Saturday. <laughs> hey, Biggins in Minnesota says it's 16 degrees here in Twin City, so he's jealous of y'all. He's about the only ones, I think, right now in Texas. <laughs> but you won't catch me doing an out, out, outdoor live stream in uh, Minnesota. You're not a hockey reporter? Not, not, not in the winter. <laughs> All right, Joe, we have a super chat from Jason Renfro. We want to thank Jason. And I, and I know we touched on this right at the opening, but we have a lot more people in since that. What is the injury update for the Longhorns? Yeah, absolutely. Steve Sarkeesian uh, yesterday laid it out for the Longhorns. He said that Austin Jordan, uh, the reserve defensive back, but really a special teams guy, a major special teams contributor for the Longhorns this year on punt, kick returns, uh, and coverage, uh, is the only person that is for sure out on Saturday. Uh, Ryan Watts, uh, who went out in the very first play from scrimmage uh, against uh, against uh, uh, Texas Tech last week, uh, he is a maybe. He has returned to practice. The question is whether or not uh, whether or not it's it's one of those things that uh, he can get back from in time. I personally don't think he's going to start, but I think he'll be available if another Longhorn goes down, if that makes sense. And, and it'll be – I think it, it could be like the U of H game. He went through warm-ups. He went through the full warm-ups, and then they just – had until they got the team, then they said, okay, he's not ready. So he didn't go through the team portion of warm-ups. I think you're going to see something similar with Ryan Watts of today. We'll see how he feels, though, man. It's a different injury. Last time it was a hamstring. This time it's more of a bat. So that hamstring is – it's different because they, they got to get you to turn and run and chase, right? Uh, so this is a different injury, um, but uh, the only re- the one reason I think he will he could try to give it a go is you have a month off until you play again. There you go. Uh, we're going to jump back over to some conference uh, championships, a couple of other comments and questions about those. E. Kim again, uh, he followed up his last question. He wants to say, he said major conference championship game yep. predictions. His are Oregon, Texas, Georgia, Michigan, and Louisville, which I agree with. What about y'all? I agree. I agree with that. Um, I, I like Georgia because I do think Muschamp and Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann 
are going to make Jalen Milrow make uncomfortable throws in that game. Uh, and I and I do think that uh, um, I, 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 just, I just think watching Alabama against Auburn last week, I think Georgia's going to move the football better than probably some people think. I, I like Georgia by 10. I, I would go – I'm – you know, the, the big question for me is not any of them. I think Oregon is going to win because I think they'll jump out to an early lead and try to put the pressure on Washington. Uh, if they do that and, and can do that, then that, then Washington becomes a different team, not the same team that beat uh, Oregon uh, back earlier this year. Um, as far as uh, Michigan, Iowa, I don't think there's any doubt there. I really give Alabama very little chance against uh, Alabama. Or I, I give against Georgia. The the Crimson Tide just don't have the horses. Uh, I feel like Georgia's going to score 21 to 28, and I think. Alabama scored 10 to 13. So, I, you know, that one, uh, the real game, and I think the Longhorns are comfortable two point, uh, 10, 15 point favorites. And I think the Longhorns should win as long as they're focused and, uh, and mentally sound on Saturday. The game that everybody needs to be looking at, I think, is a Florida State Louisville game where the line continues to go down. And we're hearing because it's potential of Tate Rodemaker, the backup quarterback for Florida State not being able to go. Everybody saw him return to action against Florida, but everybody also saw him, guys, um, literally have the eyes roll in the back of his head after getting hit. So there's a question about uh, true availability there for him. Uh, I'm not so sure that Louisville wouldn't be – isn't a, a better than toss-up against Florida State uh, tomorrow night. Um, I would go – I'm going with Louisville in that game. Uh, because of this uncertainty, largely around their quarterback position at Florida State. I like somebody in the comments se section talking about Phil Same an official yeah. visit. Um, yeah, I, I do think he's going to officially visit Texas. We yeah, and Casey says the. I guess he read somewhere that that visit will be scheduled for December eighth. I, I think I think eighth to tenth. That's the that's the weekend. You that makes sense. That's kind of what I'd heard. He would look. He would lean to. Uh, Texas is going to have some of their commitments in on uh, December 16th. Uh, some of those guys the following weekend. Uh, that would not that would not make sense for Phil Same. Uh, so I, the, when earlier in the week, I was told December 8th through 10th would be the most likely time if he's going to make a weekend visit, he would come in. All right, uh, we have a, a comment here from David Keith Williams saying he says Matthew Golden is probably faster than Ryan Niblett. UT needs a replacement for Keelan Robinson returning kickoffs. UT has their hair apparent for Xavier Worthy and John Tate Cook. Who would prefer Golden? Right now in the chat, they're asking uh, Evan Stewart versus Matthew Golden. Who would go Tate? This is David Williams' take on it. But, Bobby, I know you want to comment on this as well. Yeah, I'm not as high on Matthew Golden as some others. I do think he's a special guy as a kick returner. I don't think he's a special wide receiver. Evan Stewart has a chance to be a special wide receiver vertically. Matthew Golden is a good player. Um, I just don't think he's in the same category as Evan Stewart. I do think Matthew Golden is an NFL-level kick returner. So I, I hear you. In, in, in all honesty, you probably want both, but I think they're different positions personally. Jerry may may feel differently. No, I, th I, I think, look, I think Evan Stewart, when he's 100% uh, go in all, in all facets, football, uh, buy-in, everything like that, I mean, look, he's a first, second-round talent. He's, a, he's, dip, he's different. Uh, he has a different ability to stress a defense, right? I, I think Matthew Golden 
look, I, I would say this. I would take Matthew Golden on my team in a second because I think there's consistency uh, w- with him. Uh, date back to when I saw him in high school, you know, watching him in the long jump pit. I mean, just watching how focused he would get. Uh, I think football means a great deal to him. I think being successful in football means a lot to him. So uh, I would welcome Matthew Golden on my team if I was a coach uh, of a blue blood because I think he brings uh, a, a winner's mentality uh, and work ethic to that. I think he'd be a really good culture fit, but we'll see what happens. I, I'm interested to see who else jumps in the portal. I think there's going to be a lot of names. Yeah, man, then it seems like anytime you jump on social media, there's a new name being announced that's going in the portal every five seconds. It's crazy right now. All right, guys, we got some super chats we need to get to. Girth Nowitzki, one of the people, he says, if Florida State and Washington loses, does Ohio State get in or does Texas? If Texas wins, Texas is in over Ohio State because of the conference championship. There's no doubt they're going to pop. They're going to they're going to move Texas ahead as long as it's not. Texas get wins on a prayer, a last prayer or something like that. If Texas has a solid win, Jerry, I feel like Texas gets in if uh, FSU loses. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with that. I think uh, people would be up in arms around the you know, Kirk Herb Streets, Joel Klatz. I mean, everybody that has a strong voice in college football, they would be up in arms in that scenario, in my opinion. All right, guys, we got another super chat. This one from Antonio Harris. want to thank him as well. He says, keys to the game, win the coin toss, let our defense set the tone. Field position will be everything. Boy, field position has been such a huge positive for Texas uh, almost all year long, Jerry. They've moved the ball on offense enough. We talked about this. The Texas offense in years past has sputtered uh, and not been able to move the ball consistently now. The number of three and outs has been fewer and fewer as the weeks go by. Uh, Texas Tech was in horrible field position all game long last week. Texas dominated it. They dominated it against TCU for the most part, uh, barring some turnovers. So I I feel like, look, I feel like Texas right now with Ryan Sanborn, with Xavier Worthy, even with Will Stone and their kick and punt coverage, all of that combined – uh, is, is a big positive for the Longhorns. It is something that Oklahoma State pays attention to. Uh, Jerry, you talked about it yesterday with what Mike Gundy said in his press conference. No, nah, he, he said uh, Texas plus 300 in the punt return game in terms of yards uh, is a, an exceptional stat to him. I mean, he is a big fan of Xavier Worthy uh, and what he does not only as a receiver but in the punt return game in Texas coverage and Sanborn's ability uh, but what the, he brought up that stat was interesting to me. That's the first coach that I can recall this year that actually brought up that stat, the plus-minus in punt return yards. So, uh, Mike, I, I don't I don't think one worthy is going to get anything uh, uh, his way. He's going to have to chase the ball to the sidelines in this game. I don't think you'll see Oklahoma State uh, kick the ball anywhere inside those hash marks, uh, uh, punt the ball inside those hash marks Saturday. <laughs> Uh, here's an interesting comment from Tyler Davis. He says, can you guys explain why the last 15 years we always got the benefit of the doubt from national media, even though we stunk? Nowadays, <laughs> we're actually good, and we have to fight for respect in the rankings. <laughs> There's some truth to that, right? I mean, I agree with him. Uh, there were years where Texas was ranked in the top 25, and I thought they were maybe a seven-win team. Um, you know, I think that this is an odd year. We have to recognize that. There are four undefeated conference champion teams playing in the conference championships. 
Texas and, and Oklahoma State are the only – that that Big 12 game is the only non-BCS uh, game, game that doesn't have an undefeated opponent in it. If there were just one or two of those more, then I think you would see Texas in the four or five spot as opposed to six or seven right now. No doubt about it. All right, guys, we got lots of comments and questions about where y'all are going to be, how people can meet you, what y'all's plans are for this weekend. I know y'all are going to be at Terry Black's later today, so why don't y'all give everybody the rundown real quick? Well, if you want to come say and honk, you can actually come to the Walmart right now. Uh, we're we're in the Walmart across the street from Jerry World, as you can see behind us, the scene of the crime tomorrow. Uh, at Later today, we're actually going from here to go see our friend Yogi at Yogi's Bagel Shop in uh, Fort Worth, if you want to come down there. But uh, no, it's, in all seriousness, uh, we will be at uh, uh, Terry Black's Barbecue beginning around 2 to 2.30 today, setting up. Come on down. Uh, it's over in the Deep Elm area of Dallas, I believe. Uh, visit with us. We'll be there from 3 to 4 doing the live stream with Rod Babers. And then from then on, we're going to be doing something with the Horn. The radio station uh, in Austin uh, is going to be on site as well. Uh, come on in and say hi, everybody. And then tomorrow morning, I think Jerry uh, will be doing a uh, on-site with uh, the Horn and with us as well for a pregame at Jay Gilligan's, uh, which is a restaurant here in the Arlington area that has a free shuttle uh, over to the game. So you can park there and shuttle over if you want to. Uh, but look, uh, the reality of it is this: let's make this a party. Uh, Jerry and I are here, out here early in the morning because we feel like it is. Uh, Jerry mentioned, for people that are just showing up right now, literally right across from us, you, you can't see it now, uh, but the Oklahoma State equipment bus is parked in the Walmart the parking lot. The 18-wheeler has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're hearing that hum in the background. If y'all are hearing a, a slow hum, uh, that's what's going on right now. But, uh, look, come join us. Have fun. Big weekend for the Longhorns, in our opinion. All right, y'all, don't forget as well, Tuck will be coming up here in just a minute, uh, followed by Scott Wright of the Oklahoman at 9 o'clock this morning. We'll be talking to both of them. But first, we got some super chats we got to get to right here on Coffee and Football, presented by BKCW. And uh, we're going to start with Jason Renfro. Thank you, Jason. He says, do you think Blue will start over Baxter next year? No, I don't. I think uh, I think Baxter is a uh, – Look, he was starting over Jonathan Brooks to start the season. Um, so, no, I, I think Cedric Baxter's a really good scheme fit, uh, pass pro, uh, catching the ball out of backfield, uh, inside zone uh, scheme. I think he's a very good fit. And and think about this, Cedric Baxter, I told people this about Baxter coming out of high school. He was your typical Florida high school public school kid. He was – his ceiling is physically is so much higher than where he left high school at. This is not the same setup as Texas or Georgia or Ohio, um, especially Texas. There's not a there's not a um, athletic period every single morning or every single day in the state of Florida. A lot of public schools. So th- he came into Texas raw physically with where he was going to go. Cedric Baxter is going to look a lot different in year one than year two, and it's just going to help maximize his scheme fit. I think Jaden Blue. Is a great. I think those two are a great combination, but we'll see. We'll see what Christian Clark does when he gets in uh, to Austin because I think he's a great scheme fit as well. Hey, real quick, guys. Uh, I know we were just talking about Jerry, where you're going to be with that has the shuttle and stuff. Some people are wanting the name of that place one more time. Jay Gilligan's. Jay Gilligan's. Jay Gilligan's. It's right down here in the Arlington Entertainment District. I don't know if you guys have, for those of you who haven't been to 
uh, this little district. Not only is there Jerry World, they've got a the soccer stadiums right next to it. They have a number of different restaurants. They try to make a park is right here. Heck, they even have an esports stadium that Jerry and I uh, drove by this morning. It's a nice little entertainment district, but it is a little bit of a hike uh, to uh, to uh, Jerry World from uh, the uh, the Jay Gilligan. So they have shuttles. Uh, join us tomorrow. It opens. I think they open at 8 a.m. Uh, so uh, people uh, get down there. Join us. Uh, not only will Jerry there be there, but I think Rod and Aaron Hogan will be there as well. There you go. Okay, you got more super chats here. This one from Rocky Poor. I want to thank Rocky. He said, I looked at a few mock drafts, and I keep seeing no horns in the first round. Yeah. And Devondre Sweat is a third rounder. How is that possible? I, I, well, I, I think I think Devondre Sweat, heading into senior bowl, heading into the interview process, which I think he's going to knock out with teams, I think he's a fringe first rounder. Um, look, I, I think if there's one thing um, that the NFL scouts is are, are going to not ding him on, but look deeper into – is the uh, Big 12's not full of all NFL offensive linemen. The best guy he may he may go against is in practice at Texas uh, in, in some in some ways. So he's not going up against other projected NFL guys. So you kind of wonder uh, with the NFL scouts, is that part of the evaluation process there? I think Tavondre Sweat can move into the first round because I think he's going to crush the interview portion. I think uh, when, when they go t- talk to Steve Sarkeesian and the staff in depth about him, Bo Davis, I, I think that's all going to help push Devondre Sweat up the board a little bit. But uh, look, he's not, you know, we've talked about it before on here, uh, the kid that Jerzon Newton out of Illinois. Jerzon Newton is a NFL pass rusher as a defensive lineman, as an interior defensive lineman. Uh, both three-star prospects, by the way. Uh, so Jerzon Newton's got that pass rush ability. Uh, so I, I think it'll be interesting to see, but I think it's maybe maybe a couple of those guys like that that can ru- truly rush the passer are going to end up higher draft picks. And so people asking about uh, you know uh, Jerry's comment there about not playing against very good offensive line overall in the Big Twelve, and I think that does affect the draft uh, status. Uh, people are mentioning Cooper Beebe, uh, yeah, but he's not considered a high draft pick, even though he's been a multi-year starter, multi-year All-Conference guy for Kansas State. Overall, he's not a first-rounder. Um, and so uh, a Jerzon Newton that plays in the Big Ten that does have uh, a number of offensive line prospects that are going to be NFL players. Uh, even some guys in the in the south, deep south in the SEC are going to see a little bit high, higher level of competi- competition in season. If and when uh, Tavondre Sweat goes to the Senior Bowl or down to Mobile. That's going to be it. For and, and he performs well there. That will change everything. If him. if him and Byron Murphy go to the Senior Bowl and light gonna, it up, and light it up, they're going to be in that one on ones. They're going to be working. The practices are more important in the game. They're going to be going against guys that are top three round draft picks on the offensive line for, uh, projected. If they go in and perform really well, watch what happens with their draft stock. I think that's what maybe get them, gets them dinged a little right now, fair or not. But they're going to go to the Senior Bowl and have a chance to prove it. Uh, sorry, guys, I was responding to some of the comments. I didn't want my typing to be louder than y'all. Okay, the UT Tyler guy, he has a super chat. He says, Jerry, if you yell hook him loud, a beer is on him at Terry Black's later today. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do it for Jerry right now. Hook him. 
<laughs> you gotta do it, Darren. Sorry. Come. Come. Sorry. <laughs> hey, he had to take off his gloves. He's a ninny. Uh, uh, no, it's I, like I, 45 I, degrees and he's got gloves on. I'm responding to texts from coaches, man. I got a lot going on right now. Hey, you need to respond to my text too while we're at it. All right, Terrell Hennigan. He says, basically losing two All-Americans on that D-line next year. How do we replace them? And how does Sadir Mitchell fit into that? Well, recruiting, uh, development, and portal. That's the answer. That's how you replace them. And I will say this, you're not going to necessarily get a one-for-one replacement on two guys that one was just the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, the other one's the Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year. So expecting a one-for-one replacement may be a little out there, in my opinion. Um, And so you develop guys like Shadir Mitchell. You develop Jeray Bledsoe. Uh, You get Trill Carter to come back another year. You try to get Alfred Collins to stay another year if possible. That's how you replace him. It's a collective uh, joint effort, in my opinion, uh, to, to replace those guys. But you're not going to find guys like those in the portal, uh, most likely. And if you do, it's going to be every man for himself on recruiting those guys. So uh, I think that you're looking at a down year probably compared to this year, maybe for the next couple of years, maybe for the next 10 years. When's the last time Texas had two defensive linemen as good and as productive as Sweat and Murphy in a single time. Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers together, that's been 25 years ago, guys. No, very true. Uh, I, I like how every time a car goes behind y'all, they're like driving real slow to see what y'all are doing. It cracks me up. It just happened again. Uh, what are these crazy dudes doing out here talking in, into a computer? Yeah. <laughs> I think it is 45 right now, but the sun's at least come up enough to where it feels like it's 46. Yeah, I was going to say I'm like an hour and a half from y'all, and it's 43 here. But I know you got to be cold. Uh, Jason Renfro, he says, how does Brooks' injury affect where he's drafted? I think it does. I think it does because I talked to somebody that's an agent uh, earlier this week, and and Jonathan Brooks is definitely on their radar. They think right now he's a third-round pick, may have been a second-round pick. Uh, They still think he's going to be a third, fourth-round pick in the NFL draft if if he were to enter his name. They think somebody's going to pup him for six weeks, and then week seven you have a starting running back. Um, I would tell you guys, based on my conversation with that individual – I would say it's 60-40 right now. Jonathan Brooks goes pro. Same. I've heard the exact same thing. So, I mean, just say, I know it's not what you want to hear, maybe not what you think you should hear, but that's directly from an NFL agent who has 20, 25 players under contract right now in the NFL and what he's hearing from GMs, et cetera. And by the way, if Jonathan Brooks is a third or fourth round pick with a torn ACL, he should absolutely go pro. No, he shouldn't even think twice about it. I mean, just we've been reading off the contract money. I mean, if he has a torn ACL and he goes in the fourth round and gets a $900,000 signing bonus and a contract up to five, four and a half, five million dollars $5 he absolutely should do that rather than coming back and risking injury again. Well, I, and you're talking about a young man, guys. He has hernia surgery as well. Uh, yeah, he's had, he's had injury, but you also – look, um, at some point – Jonathan Brooks is from Hallettsville, and I, he, he is not he, – he didn't come from wealth and money. This is not – this is a lifetime decision for him. And I want to put it in perspective there. His father died a year ago. I mean, he, he would be the breadwinner for the family immediately. 
that is for a 20 year old, 21 year old kid to have that opportunity and that responsibility even to some level. Now, look, I'm, I'm with Jerry. If, if that's where he thinks and we know he would get drafted, I, I wish nothing but the best for the young man because you know what he did? He sat for two years behind two great running backs yeah. and two great team leaders. He came out and earned his stripes this year and gave it hell and stayed on the field until he had to get taken off of it. by a, And he didn't even want to go off. I don't know if y'all remember that, but he literally drug himself to the sideline. Uh, you know, I more power to guys like Jonathan Brooks, and I hope we see more people like him in Longhorn uniforms for years to come. Uh, Des Garrett has a follow-up question for you guys. He says, if Brooks does go pro, do we get a bigger back in the portal? I don't think they're going. I don't think they're going to go portal in the running back position. I think they like Cedric Baxter a lot, guys. They, he's been injured all year long. I mean, he is not, and and now that's normal. But he should get stronger as he uh, sits in a college weight program longer and longer. Jaden Blue comes back, and he's proven more durable than I perhaps gave him credit for. I'll be the first to admit that. Very happy for his development. And then you have a guy like Christian Clark coming in, uh, Jared Gibson potentially as well. Uh, uh, Trey Wisner has, has shown some ability that to be kind of that off-speed back. Savion Red, I don't know whether he's going to – Stay or go, you just don't know. But um, look, I think the, the running if, if Cedric Baxter and Jonathan and Jaden Blue are your one two next year, you're probably pretty happy if you're a Longhorn fan, in my opinion, or you should be. I'll say this I, I think Christian Clark coming in is going to be a really good short yardage back. I think he's got uh, he's got really good lean, he's got a lot of power in that lower trunk. I, I think I think he's a guy that's going to be 5'11, 220. Uh, and, and be a really good power back and a really good scheme fit there as well. But I, I it wouldn't shock me if he wasn't the goal line back pretty early on at Texas. Okay, we got lots of uh, running back questions and comments, so let's stick with that. Mock Snell here says, how important is it for Christian Clark to enroll early, which obviously he's trying to do so, but how important is that for Texas? Yeah, I, I, look, I think it would be important. I think it's important for any kid, especially coming from Arizona in the pass pro, because I think Cedric Baxter came mature enough to play in pass pro, right, with an understanding and a desire to do it. But being in in spring practice, I think accelerated that a lot. Uh, so I think that's the big thing for Christian Clark is it has nothing to do with running the football, obviously getting in the Texas strength program, but to really get prepared in pass pro. Uh, to where they will trust to put you into the game, I, I think would be big for him. Uh, but I don't think it's a make or break for Christian Clark. That guy, I can tell you from being at Austin Bergstrom Airport and talking to him on his after his official visit, that's a focused, serious guy. I mean, so he's if he's not able to enroll early, this guy's going to be studying up. He's going to do everything they tell him to do. He's going to come. He's going to be a prepared football player when he gets to Austin. Okay, guys, the uh, next question here is about Jarrett Gibson, the other Texas running back. Kelly Hyden says, do you believe he's still firming his commitment to Texas? People around the IMG program I spoke with earlier this week do think he is. They think he ultimately signs with Texas. What I was told was his father grew up a big Florida fan, huge uh, Florida fan, growing up in Gainesville. They live in Gainesville. Um, You know, obviously they're going to go to games, uh, but that the father – uh, he he definitely likes Jarek's decision uh, as far as Texas, the scheme fit, 
uh, where the Longhorns are headed. So if the the people at IMG, the sources that I, I've known for years, if, if they're correct on this, they think Jarrett Gibson will sign with Texas. Now, Travis Etienne just jumped in or says he's going to jump in the portal at Florida. So, I mean, they just, I mean, which is, this is how crazy it is, right? I mean, ETN's the best running back on the Gators uh, roster, or maybe him or Johnson. Uh, won't pick pick your poison there, but, uh, um, you know, Travis ETN's playing the jump in the portal. Hey, what do you think? I mean, I don't know if y'all saw this, but Matt Rule earlier this week said the going rate for a quarterback in the portal right now is one to $1.5 million, maybe up to $2 million. Guys, you know how many starting quarterbacks are already saying they're going to go in the portal? I think I would have put my name in the portal yeah. at that point. You know, I mean, look, they can't. Indiana's starting quarterback, Michigan State's starting quarterback, just go to the portal. So I hope somebody that has money pays you. We got, I just think it's crazy. We got some movement with the Oklahoma State 18 wheeler behind us. People are showing up. Uh, part, part of the Oklahoma State football, uh, not coaching staff, but their extended staff, obviously. We got some movement with the Oklahoma State 18 wheeler here. We may turn this around for one second and try to. Y'all, you want us to try to do this real quick? Let's see it. Let's, Let's see it. Right, here we go. Let me see if I. Can you see it, Blake? Yeah, yeah, we see it. We can all oh, see yeah, it. There. That's it. We'll go back around here. <laughs> All right, for people that are just joining us uh, here on the Coffee and Football, uh, brought to you by PKCW, uh, we're at, uh, live at the Walmart across the street from Jerry World behind us. Uh, Jerry and I out here had a had a wild hair this morning and thought we'd get out here and do this live with this in the background. Uh, Longhorns tomorrow, 11 a.m. Jerry, what do you think one of the keys or two of the keys of the game is for Texas? I, I think number one uh, for Texas offensive, and I'll say this is, I'm not saying fast start off uh, scoring the football, but fast start uh, as far as execution, getting comfortable in the game, because there is more pressure on Texas than Oklahoma State tomorrow. I think this team handles pressure well, but handling that pressure, um, success early to me on a first drive, second drive, may not mean getting up 10 nothing necessarily, but how about no pre-snap penalties? How about no holding calls on third down? Not putting Texas behind the chains in the script because i think sark will have a really good script i think texas if they don't put themselves behind the chains uh oklahoma state struggles with uh, stop the run and they struggle with big plays in the passing game i think texas has multiple advantages in this game the one thing they have to do is not get off to a shaky start from a yellow flags perspective just get drives flowing and going i think the other thing i think one of the keys for texas defensively is going to be uh, defending the screen game. You know, I, I I think you're going to see Oklahoma State and Gundy. He's a super smart coach. He knows his offensive line uh, is at a disadvantage in this game. I think he's going to use that somewhat to his advantage and work the screen game more tomorrow. So I think Texas is going to have to be prepared for that. I want to add one thing. Uh, this stadium is not unfamiliar to either of these two quarterbacks. Right. They played, uh, played in high school, right? Both Alan Bowman and Quinn Ewers have played here before. Uh, so this isn't like their first, you know, it's not like Max Duggan had never played at uh, Jerry World last year, right, until this game. Uh, so I think that they'll be familiar with the, the, the environs. Uh, yes, it'll be louder, hopefully, than it is during a high school uh, playoff game, per se. Uh, but uh, don't expect the quarterbacks to necessarily be uh, challenged by this. Uh, and I do think that turf, in particular, likely helps Texas more than it helps Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas faster on the outside. I got a little bit more big playability. Uh, although I tell you what, Ollie Gordon, 
Man, he, he's a tough – there are a lot of good players in the Big 12. He's obviously the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. There are preciously few great players in the Big 12, right? And I'm talking about uh, – you know, I'm talking about guys like B. John Robinson. Now, I'm not saying that Ollie Gordon is in that category, but, boy, 1,500 yards rushing, uh, been the focal point of their offense, really been the one that's got it going. Uh, he is a great player, and he can make things happen for your team. He has 1,580 yards, and he wasn't even in really nine getting, games, really. Yeah, he wasn't getting the ball the first three games that much because it was his doing talking to somebody uh, pretty connected up there that Ollie Gordon wasn't a practice player. And especially at the start of the year, and that staff had a hard time trusting him. And then they had the three quarterback rotation going. But once they settled on Allen Bowman, and once they changed their uh, offensive run game scheme to fit Ollie Gordon, said, We're going with Ollie Gordon. Man, is he taking off. By the way, the uh, uh, Oklahoma State's loading Gatorade and waters uh, <laughs> uh, right now. So that, that's what's going on right now. They're going to make sure their guys are hydrated for their Big 12 championship loss. Jerry's putting Rohypnol in there. He just doesn't know it. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Terrible. Okay, we're going to do some uh, super chats here. Henry James BC says, Jerry wouldn't be as cold if he didn't so go so hard on the landscaping. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I, I should have thought about that. Uh, yeah, but that, you know, that takes like a month. So, you know. <laughs> uh, don't forget, manscaping will be back. We've had people. Oh, we're back. We're back. <laughs> Monday, so be sure to tune in. If I, had a okay. man, if I had a manscaped uh, ski hat cap, I'd be wearing it right now. <laughs> uh, and then, guys, obviously a lot of people have tuned in since we've gone over this. So we're going to talk about it because we have two more Super Chats. Uh, Tub in Texas says, sorry if it's been covered already, but does an undefeated FSU team with a third-string quarterback get in over Texas? Have a great weekend and hook them. Well, I think they do because they won't be back to their third string in, in a month. They'll be back to their second string. And I will be honest, if they win with a third-string quarterback, that's pretty good. I mean, that that means they're far from a one-trick pony. Um, I I don't know if they'll for sure get in, but as long as Tate Rodemaker is expected to come back, they're ranked ahead of Texas right now with Tate Rodemaker as the starter. I don't know if the, the if, if Tate Rodemaker was out for the whole thing, they may change their mind. But, look, I mean, what do you say, Jerry? I mean – they go undefeated, and they think they're getting Tate Rodemaker back for the playoffs. I, I still think an undefeated team, I mean, how do you keep them out? If that were Texas, and Texas were going into postseason with Arch Manning instead of Quinn Ewers, 
and Texas was undefeated, every Texas fan in the world would be saying Texas should be going, yeah. no matter what. And you know, I may look. Y'all know I Longhorn until I die, right? There are certain things you say. Look, you got to reward people. I mean, going thirteen to zero is freaking hard. Um, Texas didn't do it, and that's the reality. Uh, lost in the Cotton Bowl on a game they probably shouldn't have lost, but they did. Florida State hasn't done that yet. Um, and so while I, I want to sit here and say yes to, to all of this, I, I feel like you got to give the nod to the team that, that's got the unblemished record. Uh, and I, and I, get, I get both sides of it, honestly. I'm not trying to sit here and uh, straddle the fence on it. Um, I don't think FSU is one of the top four teams. I don't either. And that's the issue is – what does this really come down to? Is FSU a top four team right now? I think the answer is no. But that doesn't mean the committee's not going to put him in. Um, so I think that's where it gets really tough. Is I, I, And I would bet if you all 13 people were polled in that committee, they I bet 13 would say FSU's not a top four team. But that doesn't mean they're not putting him in. I completely agree with that. That's, that's where I come out. I don't think they're a top four team. But, man, I mean, as a college football purist of some level, how in the hell do you not put them in? Because if it were Texas that that shoe was on that foot, I'd be screaming bloody murder. No doubt. I right, guys, we got a super chat here from Tom G. I want to thank Tom. He says, when and where is the meetup today? So it's at Terry Black's Barbecue in, in Dallas. Uh, I think it's in the Deep Elm area. We'll start at 3 o'clock. But, guys, get there around 2, 2.30. Uh, we'll be out on the back back area uh that right next to the smokers uh just like last time for the texas U game uh join us be there around 2 2 30 get your food uh then we go on air at three uh rod and aaron come on around four jerry and i are going to join them uh for a radio broadcast as well we'll have some fun uh have some barbecue uh talk a little texas football and uh, just come out and enjoy yourself with other longhorn fans all right, then we got another super chat. This one from UT Boy. He says, love you, family. Hook them. Hope you're there today, UT Boy. Oh, uh, he'll be there. See you about <laughs> two, UT Boy. <laughs> he'll be there. Oh, man. All right, Bobby, I know you talked about this a day or two ago, but JC Johnson says, do we know who the officiating crew is tomorrow? Yeah, his name is Derek Anderson. I haven't done more research on him. I just know his name's not Kevin Marr. <laughs> that, that's that's the uh, amount, because I don't think that we've seen anybody as universally disliked and officiating in quite some time as Kevin Marr and his – and I don't even know that it's Kevin Marr as much as it is his crew. Let's just hope Mars not working the replay booth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He doesn't, he doesn't need to be anywhere around that stadium, I don't think. <laughs> Again, I, I don't know that it's him. Like, I don't nah, I don't know that it's I'm him. Totally, it's just, just his in total. His crew, I, they don't like to call holding on the opponents or penalties. In, hey, Blake, I, I well, still, uh, Blake, you still need to bring up that tweet from yesterday, Blake. Uh, hang on, give me give me just a second here. Bring up your own tweet, Blake. <laughs> this will be a first. Bring up your own tweet, Blake. Oh man, let me give me just a second here. Oh gosh, y'all put me on the spot here. Okay, here we go. I'm just gonna share my screen and all right, here we go. So the Longhorns were the most penalized team in Big 12 conference play and somehow ranked last in opponent penalties. Only 37 penalties called against teams who played Texas in conference play. 
No other team was in the 30s. Here's the rankings for all teams. So we look at opponent penalties. Led in penalties. They led the league in penalties and led the league in fewest penalties called against their opponents. Yeah, 60 penalties called against Texas for 478 yards. Yeah, but those comments from Brett Yarmark, the the preseason official, they had no bearing on that, right? Yeah. (laughs) This is why you can't do what he did in the preseason. And everybody was pissed off because he did what he did. I mean, you can't show favoritism like that to other schools because the people that work for you take that as marching orders of a sort. Even though their direct superiors were saying, oh, no, no, we're going to be un- – you just can't do that. And I said this, though, because there was a stat about the Blue Bloods, right? Uh, and this is a theme with the Blue Bloods. And we've really – I think we've really reached a point. And I said this. I, the only thing I can say that's similar, it's like youth basketball. It's like the officials looking at one team saying, oh, my God, they're going to kill these guys. Um, uh, these guys need a couple of breaks over here, man. We, so this game's not a total blowout and it's competitive. Uh, and, and I'm not saying they're necessarily doing that on purpose, but I think the human element comes into this sometimes as well. I mean, that's the only, that's the only thing you can say when there's a stat out there that says all the blue bloods, that's kind of a trend. I mean, so the biggest, baddest teams aren't getting the calls, but their opponents are getting the calls. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like youth basketball. I mean, here's the team that's 18 and 0, and they got the three best players in the league. And man, they're going to pummel this team over here. Well, that team that's going to get pummeled is going to get the calls. They're not going to get called for traveling. Uh, the, the big bad boys are going to get called for traveling. Three seconds, a charge. I mean, that's just what it feels like to me. All right, guys, we've had about six or 700 people join since we've talked about this. Lots of questions about Xavier Philsame and an official visit. Jerry, can you give the spiel one more time? Yeah, yeah. Xavier Philsame's been, he was, uh, I've been saying he was, I expected him to officially visit. He was going back on a couple of dates, back and forth on a couple of dates for an official visit, uh, according to a source, whether it was going to be a midweek or a weekend visit. I think Texas ideally wants the weekend visit of December 8th, 10th. That's what they want uh, for Xavier Philsame because the thing with the key with that visit is you want his mom to come in from Orlando for this visit. The father obviously made the unofficial visit. He'll be back for the official visit. Hey, look, we're looking behind us. Look where we're at. We're at uh, Jerry World, AT&T Stadium. I can tell you this, that I wouldn't be totally shocked if they showed up there Saturday. There Not go. too far a drive from McKinney and other recruits. That, uh, the only thing that, to Jerry's point, recruits cannot be on – they they can't buy tickets for the recruits or right. allow them to come in. They would have to pay their own way right. to get into Jerry. World yeah, you, the, the teams in the uh, conference championship games cannot provide tickets for recruits. You have to find your own tickets, however you do that. No doubt. Okay, guys. Uh, Tommy wants to know: Are both teams in Arlington already? Uh, no, they I, get, they get in uh, around lunchtime today. Uh, I think. Texas Texas coming in normal time frame. Uh, they're I, I don't know exactly where Oklahoma State is. Their equipment bus is here. I know that much. Their 18-wheeler for the, all the people joining us is behind us. <laughs> oh, man. All right. In fact, I'm going to do something for the people. Bobby's going to Bobby's Bobby's going to leave the screen for a second. I'm going to be back. But, look, the, uh, the, uh, the Oklahoma State 18-wheeler is behind us. There it is. So, you know, that's where we're at. We're kind of watching, watching that. 
and then we come back around here and we're, we're at Jerry World. So we're trying to bring Texas fans the best experience uh, around this Big 12 championship possible, man. We, we're we cornered by Oklahoma State and Jerry World. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's all right. Never a dull moment on this show. And speaking of this show, Bobby, Jeff wants to know, plans on keeping the show going after the season is over? Oh, I think there's no doubt that we're going to keep this show going. And, uh, look, we, we appreciate everybody. This is a special time for Longhorn fans. And don't forget, just because the season is over, there's a portal that opens in a week or not even a week now, there's yeah. three days. Uh, and then you have signing day on December 20th and you have another signing day. You have basketball season. I got to say this, we got to talk, Jerry, you watched the basketball game last night. Uh, Jerry also joined uh, Royale Ivy and DJ Augustine uh, last night uh, for a program that we're going to put up here on Texas football for the basketball folks every week. But, but yeah, we got, so, there's so much going. Look, we're going to be talking SEC or, yeah. or to SEC. I mean, spring meetings. Uh, there's Senior Bowl, where multiple Longhorns are going to be in Mobile. Nah, this is, it's going to get bigger and better. All right, so speaking of basketball, let's talk about that here for a second. Do we have Texas, to? <laughs> the Longhorns last night, they uh, hosted Texas State and, you know, kind of got off to a hot start. It was 25 to 4. Yeah. And, and then it was 25 to you know. 17. <laughs> So final score, Texas did end up winning 77 to 58, as you can see on the screen. Jerry, tell us your thoughts on that game. Yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't get I, I only caught some of that game. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it um because I, I was traveling and I was doing the show with uh Royale and DJ last night. Uh, but look, I mean, I think Texas shot seven to twenty-nine from three. Um, so I, I need to go back and look kind of offensively uh what happened in that game uh for Texas, but Look, I mean, 77 points, not having a great night shooting from three. Uh, I, I think, you know, Texas State shot 41% overall, which means, sorry, uh, when, when we just caught a winder, um, we, uh, you know, and they had four points, what, in 11 minutes into the game, I believe. Um, so, I, I look, I think Texas is going to have some inconsistencies, um, but they're going to have to, when, when they get, it's going to be interesting to see. Roy, Royale and DJ and I were talking about last night. When they get Dylan DeSue back, and I don't know if that'll be for Marquette. I tend to think it may be closer to mid-December, but we'll see. Um, it's going to be interesting how they get to make the rotation work because they have some issues with that big lineup offensively to start games and start second halves of games. Uh, and they got off to a slow start offensively. Then they got it going, right? I mean, Max really shot the ball well. Uh, but they have to protect the smaller guards. So when Disu comes back, they're going to have more rim protection. They can rotate that rim protection. They can have two guys uh, on the court at the same time to help protect the rim if they need if need be. But they're going to have to put three guards around those guys. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting how they make things work. Because when that big lineup, Dylan Mitchell's not a wing. He's not a put on a college wing where you put the ball on the floor and you beat a guard off the dribble. He's not going to catch and shoot from three. So that big lineup they have some issues with offensively, but it helps set the defensive tone. So Frank Haith, Rodney, Steve McLean, Brandon Chappelle, they're going to have to – they're still going to be working a work in progress, as Rodney calls it, to find what what's going to work rotationally for them, especially once Disu comes back. Because once DC, when Disu comes back, they're going to be able to start running monster doubles, which means two bigs go double the ball at times in the post. So they're going to have some things they can do differently. Their ball screen defense has got to improve uh, there. That's not natural for uh, uh, Zarika Nyemna, so they play drop coverage with him. 
Uh, Kate Shedder can play and switch enough with that length. Dylan Mitchell's a switch anybody guy. But so they, they, they're a work in progress. They're going to have to figure that thing out as far as their offensive rotations and defensively uh, once these two comes back. How big can they uh, play and how long can they play? All right, guys, we got uh, Scott Wright, the uh, Oklahoma State beat writer for the Oklahoma, coming on in just a second. But before we get to him, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about BKCW. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're sponsored by every Friday uh, Coffee and Football, sponsored by the good folks at BKCW Insurance. It's a business insurance plan. They talk about the insurance trap there where uh, you get start getting business insurance every year and you just get re-up, re-up, re-up. And you always get increased premiums without really going over what your business truly needs. And it just kind of gets thrust on you at the last minute. BKCW does a little bit more than that. They actually try to consult with you uh, to get you and your business exactly what you need. Try to drive premiums down if if they can. Uh, give them a call. It's a Texas-owned business, uh, UT grads. BKCW.com. Info at BKCW uh, if you're emailing them. Or call them, guys, 512-250-5055. Guys like BKCW are what make this on-site live stream even possible in the first place. So we appreciate them very, very much. Definitely. So, all right, guys, with that said, I'm going to bring on Scott. And as I said, Scott is the Oklahoma State beat writer here. And, uh uh-oh, Scott, can can you hear us? Did we lose Scott? We may have lost Scott. <laughs> All right, we're going to, I tell you what, we're going to wait for Scott to come back. I think he may be having some kind of a technical issue. So we will go back to this mode right here for a second. Um, and I'll try to figure out what's going on with him. We got some super chats we'll get to in the meantime, guys. How about that while we figure out what's going on there? Hey, it's warming up out here, man. I might take the gloves off. Well, I'm glad you said that, Jerry, because Elijah Perez says, Jerry, what's colder, Arlington or Texas offense to end the first half of last night? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, uh, I got Texas offense. <laughs> it was freezing. It wasn't just cold. It's cold right now. Gloves, were, gloves weren't an option with the Texas offense last night. <laughs> Late in the first half. Right, uh, real quick, Corin uh, Santan, I see you put in the super chat, but no question attached to it. If you'll send it regular, I'll fix that for you. And uh, UT Boy, of course, y'all are going to Terry Black's today. And UT Boy says, will UT Boy be taking a few questions about winning and being sober? <laughs> Hope will so. You? Hope <laughs> so, UT Boy. Uh, Party doesn't start till three, UT Boy, not two. <laughs> and then uh, Amars, I want to thank him for the super chat. He says, "We are when are we officially an SEC team? Can we legit claim to not be a Big 12 school after the conference championship? So here, the official, I know people know this, but I want to reiterate just in case. Um, it doesn't officially occur until after the spring seasons are all over for all teams. But let's be clear. I mean, after Texas finishes off this game, Big 12, bye-bye. Uh, as far as football is concerned, goodbye. Uh, they'll be in all of the – like Chris Del Conte's already been in meetings with the with the SEC going forward. Uh, it, it's all it's all it's all downhill from here. So so my question, Bobby, on that for Texas fans is the SEC has spring meetings in Destin. They'll be there. 
Will, will but so Chris Del Conte will be a part of those meetings. Oh yeah. Do you think Steve Sarkeesian's part of those meetings? He, uh, if if it relates to football and other football coaches are there, yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, not all. You know, the thing about SEC, they they're a big enough conference and a little bit different than the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve meetings, they don't get really covered by the media much. Maybe one or two writers. The SEC spring meetings and and uh, media days, it's a circus. Now. A lot of people come out for Big 12 media days. The SEC, in comparison, is a circus, and it's a multi-day event uh, that you know brings people from all over the country in. So, the the thing that we're going to do here at On Texas Football and Inside Texas is try to bring you guys closer to that action, give you a little bit more detail and nuance about what's going on uh, behind the scenes. So, you guys got to understand, there's a little bit of a change. Afoot. You start talking about going into a conference like the SEC because it's not like Memphis to Iowa State. LSU is different than Iowa State. That's and, and that's how that I mean LSU finished about the same place Iowa State did in this conference. Just to give you a, a, a feel for it. Hey, so I, I got a question for Ashton Holloman who always makes me laugh, and I'm at a bad angle, so I can't see all his comments today. He's picking Bama, right, Ashton? You got Bama over Georgia, right, Saturday? <laughs> well, when he answers, I'll bring it up. Hey, guys, makes, that guy always makes me laugh. Thank you, Ashton, every morning. I'm going to try to bring in Scott now. I see he's I know back. he knows I'm picking George. I think he's picking Bama. <laughs> I, think, I think Scott is ready to go. So, Scott, how are you doing this morning? Hey, doing well. Sorry about that. Some technical difficulties on my end. I apologize, are you, fellas. Are you already in, uh, in uh, Arlington like me and Jerry sitting out here outside of Jerry World? I'm not. I wish I was because it looks like the weather down there is better than what I've got up here in Oklahoma City right now. But I'll be getting on the road here in uh, in uh, an hour or so. Scott, we appreciate you joining us. A couple questions for you off the bat. Uh, you've been following this uh, Oklahoma State team since the start of the season. You know, we hear it from the outside and, and look back from, you know, big picture wise. And they started the season so poorly, inserted Ollie Gordon and uh, solidified a choice at quarterback and their fortunes seem to change. Is it as simple as that, in your opinion? For the most part, it, it really kind of is. You know, they did some other things that sort of tweaked the run game, um, you know, because Ollie Gordon is 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 a really uh, effective downhill runner, and a lot of their run game stuff uh, was kind of going side to side, uh, you know, some zone read type of looks, different things like that. They got away from some of that, got him going more out of the pistol and, and coming where his first steps are straight toward the line of scrimmage. Uh, they kind of simplified some of the run blocking that they were doing because their line was really struggling in those early games as well. Uh, but but a big part of, of what they did was was just picking a quarterback, picking a running back, and and going with it. You know, Ollie Gordon, uh, a lot of people thought that he was the guy, and and but, I mean, he had 19 carries total in the first three games, and um, since they started just pumping the ball to him, it's been uh, it's been a completely different story. What, what is the uh, we've had a lot of questions, Scott. What's the overall health of Oklahoma State headed into this game? It, it's actually pretty good. You know, they have a few guys like everybody that are uh, that are done for the season. But uh, in terms of of just the uh, um, you know the, uh, the the bumps and bruises that that typically come along this time of year, Oklahoma State's in much better shape health wise than they've been in a long time. You know, Jason Brooks. Uh, their uh, their starting left guard is uh, it will will not play. They've got a couple of receivers and uh, and a, a linebacker who've been out uh, for a while now. Um, but uh, in terms of, of of primary guys that they uh, that they 
uh, expect to uh, to be missing. There's not a lot of those type of guys. So uh, really good health for uh, for a team at this time of year, really. Scott, uh, Oklahoma State seems a little bit like a team of destiny this year. I watched the BYU game start to finish. And I tell you what, I thought I thought Texas was going to be playing OU in the Big 12 championship at halftime. I'm sure you did too. Um, what were your thoughts on that comeback? And, and are they a team of destiny? But will that destiny be foiled in Arlington tomorrow? Yeah, that's uh, it's 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 a weird question because I mean you look at what this what this team the the roller coaster that this team has been on. You mentioned the the rough start. They were they were two and two. They got smoked by South Alabama on their home field, thirty three to seven. They go up to Iowa State the next week, and um, that was the first week of of Alan Bowman and Ollie Gordon as the primary guys, and they looked much better, but still lost up there. Um, you know, they were sitting there two and two. Uh, and and I'm thinking I'm not even going to be covering a bowl game in December, much less a Big 12 championship. So, um, you know, and and then they got things rolling, and then all of a sudden the, the UCF game happens. They go down to Orlando and lose 45-3 to to a, a, a team that they – Probably should have uh, should have handled pretty easily, and and now they they bounced back. They've had two uh, big rallies for for wins the last two games. Um, you know, the, as far as recent history, it's the only time they've ever rallied from from fourteen down in back to back weeks. And uh, you know, and you could argue they probably shouldn't have fallen behind by fourteen points to either of those teams, but um, but they've they figured it out. And they've got it going. So it's uh, it's it's a really interesting team. Um, hard to know what to expect from these guys. And, and, and regardless of what happens in the first half, you can't count these guys out in the second half of a ball game right now. And that's been a, that's been a problem for Texas putting their foot on the throats of opponents. They've let multiple teams back in, whether it was TCU or Kansas state um, this year. And so that's been an issue that Texas has had to deal with. Uh, one other question for you. We've talked so much about Alan Bowman and, uh, Ollie Gordon in the Oklahoma State offense. Tell us a little bit about the Oklahoma State defense. They've given up a lot of yards, but they've been somewhat effective or else they wouldn't be in the conference championship game. Here. I, and I want to piggyback and add to that, Scott. Steve Sarkeesian on his press conference Monday said Oklahoma State has the best linebackers core that Texas will have gone up against this year. So I want you to kind of talk about that as well. Yeah, well, I'll I'll, I'll start there because, you know, Nick Martin at middle linebacker is the biggest surprise on this team. He was a guy that uh, if you had asked me on August 1st, I would have told you he was he wasn't even the starter at middle linebacker, much less their most important defensive player. Uh, he's got a chance with this game and, and the bowl game to set OSU's single season tackles record. Um, you know, he's a guy that, uh, that that makes a lot of different plays in different ways. You know, tackles behind the line of scrimmage. He's got six sacks. Uh, a lot of those being uh, on, on kind of delayed blitz type stuff that uh, that he's really effective at really good closing speed and then uh you know uh, on the sides of him you've got uh you know colin oliver who was a uh, big 12 defensive player of the year as a freshman two years ago playing defensive end now they made this switch with brian nardo's defense to the 335 they move him back to an outside linebacker still use him off the edge a lot uh he'll still come and, and be a more traditional looking pass rusher at times but um but very athletic, really gifted linebacker. And Xavier Benson at the other outside linebacker spot is, is probably the most improved guy on this uh, on this team overall. Last year, he really looked out of place a lot. He was a guy that started his career at Texas Tech, uh, went to JUCO, had a really productive year. Um, his first year at Oklahoma State did not go well. Uh, he, he was the starter. He was the guy. But 
but he just he just looked out of place a lot and uh, really struggled with the transition. But in this uh, this new defense, he has re- really settled in. That trio of linebackers has been has has been a really important part of this defense. And, um, you know, you look at their overall production They're uh, uh, again, they're, they're kind of, uh, kind of like the, the whole team this, this season, uh, because they'll have moments where, where they'll just get burned and they get beat deep. They haven't had as much dropped coverage in recent weeks as they were early in the season. I mean, there were times early in the year, you go back and look at the Kansas film and you're just seeing wide receivers just running free down the field. Um, you know, Iowa state did that to them a couple of times, teams like that. So, um, you know they they've really contained that, but they're uh, they're still not to the point with especially some of these inexperienced safeties that they're playing um, that they can go and win some uh, as many of the one on one battles down the field as they need to. Uh, you know with Texas receivers, that's going to be a really interesting dynamic to see in this game because the Oklahoma State can't afford to put those guys in a lot of single coverage against uh, against guys like like Xavier Worthy and and, and some of those other receivers. So um, that'll be something to, to watch. But um, you know they've been getting hit. They get hit, they get hit for big plays, uh, but then they 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 tend to respond really well. Brian Nardo in his first year, uh, probably the most impressive thing about him has been his halftime adjustments. Hey, Scott, this is great. So if you think, if you're looking at Texas, you I know you've watched a little bit of Longhorns. It's hard not to watch. Just like Longhorn fans, it's hard not to watch other Big 12 games and see Oklahoma State, especially as they're near the top of the schedule, right, or top of the, the conference rankings. If you're predicting Texas's offense versus the Oklahoma State defense, what, how many points do you think Texas puts up tomorrow? Yeah, you know, I think I think they're going to hit some big plays because of the weapons that they've got. Um, you know, yours looks to me like a very different quarterback than the one I saw in Stillwater a year ago when OSU yes. picked him off three times. So, um, you know, I think they're going to they're they're going to hit some uh, some plays and, um, and, and and get some points on the board. Um, you know, the question is whether Oklahoma State can answer, but I can I can certainly see Texas getting uh, getting up into the 30s. I think Brian Nardo will have some answers. I just don't know if they'll have enough. That's the big question. Uh, last thing I have for you, uh, I know you got to get on the road. What you, well, you got a score prediction tomorrow? And what are a couple of key factors Oklahoma State has to do to have a shot to win the game? Well, as far as as key factors, it's uh, it, it's it's a really interesting dynamic because obviously Texas is so good against the run, and uh, it's it's uh, listen, I love the fact that we're seeing uh, you know the the. Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year in Ollie Gordon and the Big yes. 12 Defensive Player of the Year in Tavondre Sweat, that great defensive line going head-to-head in this in this game on this stage. Um, you know, I, Oklahoma State's offensive line hasn't seen anything like what Texas does up front, so that's a little bit scary if you're a Cowboy fan. Uh, so I think the key for Oklahoma State really becomes Alan Bowman uh, getting some, uh, some effective passing yards and maybe trying to open up some things for Ollie Gordon to get going. We've seen them do that. They've struggled a little bit to run the ball early early in the last couple of games, uh, but guys like Brennan Presley, Rashad Owens, um, Leon Johnson III at the receiver spots have have got some production going, and that's helped to get the the offensive line uh, a little bit of, uh, of an edge up front to, to get some holes for the run game. If they can do that, I think they can hang around in this game. Uh, you know, I, I think the spread's probably a little higher than uh, than, than than I thought it would be, um, but I, I – I, I do. I am picking Texas to win this game, but I think Oklahoma State can keep it within a touchdown, give themselves a shot at the end. Uh, that's all they're going to try to do. They're going to try to hang around the rim and then either out-coach or out-execute Texas in the final minutes. All right, Scott, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. Uh, safe travels down to Arlington uh, for 
the game tomorrow. Awesome. I appreciate you having me, guys. All right, buddy. Be good. Blake, thank you for getting him on for us. Uh, A really insightful guy for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, You know, Jerry, he's right. That's what Oklahoma State wants to do. Yeah. Get it within a score and try to pull a little magic. Gundy's going to try to condense the game the best he can. He's, I think Mike Gundy is going to be okay with one or two-yard runs if he can condense this game. I think what he want, doesn't want to have Alan Bowman in is third and 12s. I think, <laughs> he's a smart football coach. He knows if he can condense this game and keep Alan Bowman out of third and long longs, uh, that uh, that's his best chance to have success. And third and long for him may be a screen. It's going to be a screen. Wide yeah. receiver, running back, whatever. He's going to throw the screen game at Texas. No doubt. Hey, guys, we got a super chat here from D. Herring 5. I'm hoping he would elaborate in the chat while Scott was on, uh, but he didn't. But he said it was cool to have someone on here who's called one of his own touchdowns in high school. I'm assuming Scott did. Parts Horn versus Millwood. I got the most important question. What year was that, man? <laughs> so we'll have to wait on D. Herring 5 there to, uh, to let us know for sure. All right, guys, we got a couple more questions that we're going to get to before we let y'all go and get on with today's festivities. Uh, but this very first one here, if I can find it, oh, from King Me. He says, do you think playing at 11 a.m. will put less pressure on Texas not knowing the outcome of the ACC game? Yes. I, I, if Texas goes out and handles business, uh, that's more pressure on FSU tomorrow. Look, I mean, Rod Babers, we were talking about this on the quarterback room. Uh, uh, go ahead. Oh my gosh! Here we go. I was talking about this on the quarterback room yesterday. Rod, the Texas players. Matt told the Texas players that when uh, when when uh, Tennessee be- lost, the Texas players knew. Hey, look, guys, we got a fan out here. I'm Bobby Brown. Hey, Bobby Brown. Oh, Bobby Brown. Hey, Bobby Brown. Appreciate it, man. All right, appreciate it, buddy. Y'all be good. That's Y'all awesome. Uh, so, hey, so Rod said Mac told the Texas team before they went out to play Colorado that Tennessee had lost. The players knew that. That did add pressure to some, to some of those players. He, you know, that adds pressure. If Texas goes out and handles their business, especially if they look good tomorrow morning, that does place pressure on uh, FSU. There's no doubt about it. Uh, other than that, the, the more pressure, that'll be more pressure than what they're already feeling, knowing that they have to win, else the committee is definitely not putting them in. They know it's win or go home for them, and the more pressure you can add to it. I've been saying this. Last week was the Sweet 16. You are now in the Elite Eight. This is the Elite Eight for all these teams, man, except Iowa, because they have no shot to get to the Final I, Four. I want to say this. I will say this. If Florida State would have played earlier than Texas and lost, my prediction for this score would have been 55 to 3. Because <laughs> Texas would have come down, come out hype, ready to win, and go to play for a national championship. Uh, the fact that it's inverted and Texas plays first, uh, they don't know what they're playing for per se. That could take a little focus off, but I, I definitely get what they're saying. We need to circle back, Blake, because there's been so many people joined yep. uh, from what we talked about earlier. The Florida State quarterback, Tate Rodemaker, we believe was concussed at one point on Saturday in the the win against Florida. He did come back in for one play. There is a real possibility that Tate Rodemaker, the quarterback for Florida State, could be out. That would mean Florida State is down to its third-string quarterback. 
against Louisville on Saturday. Keep that in mind. We do not, we can't confirm that that's happening, but there's a lot of talk behind the scenes that 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 is a very big reality. And if so, man, Louisville's got to be thinking we got a real chance here because Florida State's just going to have to lean on that run game. And while their run game is good, one-dimensional teams in conference championship games are not usually the uh, recipe for success. No doubt about it. All right, we got a, a, a super chat here from UT Boy. He says, and thank you, UT Boy. Jerry Hamilton, are you excited about seeing UT Boy? <laughs> uh, always, man, always. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> By the way, that was Bobby Brown, who, who's on these chats quite a bit, that came up and uh, said hi to us. We appreciate him uh, and appreciate all you guys joining us. Uh, look, this is a rare opportunity for Texas. It feels, I mean, I've been covering Texas, been a Texas fan for a long, long time. Uh, It feels like it's been too long is the problem. Uh, It's been 15 years, really, 14 years since Texas was in a conference championship game where the stakes were the potential to going into and playing for a college football playoff or college football championship. I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I really believe that all of these factors, including recruiting, portal, roster management that Texas is doing, going into the SEC, I think that we're at the starting point of something really special for the University of Texas. I think there will be ups and downs uh, from here on out. Uh, But Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning, what Steve Sarkeesian's doing as a head coach with the roster, in, in, in his recruiters, I, I just feel like this whole year has been a confluence of events that have led us to today. But I still think there are great things ahead for the University of Texas, and that would that would be the I think that would be the case. But I think we're at a particular time. This is Steve Sarkeesian's first year, our third year at Texas. Got to remember, he went from five wins to eight wins to eleven wins, and still possibly counting. Okay, that's what this is all about for me. Um, And it's one of the reasons why I'm not just excited about tomorrow, but about the future of Texas football. And I think you're going to see an incredibly focused Texas team that is going to play as physical of a game as they have all season. Uh, And that's my prediction. And that's saying something because they played at Bama. I'm hearing this team is ready. Uh, They they they're motivated before Steve Sarkeesian wasn't the Big 12 coach of the year, that's just a little added extra uh, extra motivation to come out and uh, take care of business for their guy that's got him here. Control field position tomorrow. Uh, play hard. Uh, move the football. Control Ollie Gordon as best you can. It's going to be a little bit like Taj Brooks. You can't always control every bit of him. But, man, jump on Alan Bowman as much as you can like you jumped on Baron Morton. And I just think Texas is going to have a chance to, to really pull away with this. And, guys, thank, thanks, everybody, for being on the uh, coffee and football this morning. Uh, and uh, we'll see those of uh, you who are coming out. We'll see you at Terry Black's. Uh, and uh, if you're coming to the game tomorrow, man, it's uh, it, it, it's going to be quite the experience. Hey, real quick, guys. BKCW, guys. Hook them. Yeah. Hook them we need to thank BKCW for sure. Uh, we've had lots more questions about Xavier Field. Thing Jerry has said a couple of times now throughout the broadcast, he does expect him to take an official visit within you know the next ten days or so, week week and a half. Um, he has not confirmed that one hundred percent, but that is his expectation. 
be to, uh, be sure to tune into InsideTexas.com where he'll be giving you that news. Also, we needed to say real quick, guys, Greg Jackson, volleyball girls knocked out Texas A&M of the yep. playoffs last night in Hook'em. Congratulations to the volleyball team. Lots Was there ever volleyball. any doubt? Was there ever any <laughs> doubt, Jared Elliott? Madison Skinner. Lots of good high school football being played across the state this weekend, too. Good luck to all the teams out there that are still in the playoffs. Thank you all for tuning in. We want to thank BKCW uh, for sponsoring today's show. We also want to thank Scott Wright from the Oklahoman for coming on and talking a little Oklahoma State with us. Bobby and Jerry both going to be at Terry Black's here in just a little bit. And then, Bobby, real quick before we get out of here, run down the content right here on On Texas Football for this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got a ton of stuff coming. Uh, Jerry and Rod talk again around 12 o'clock today. Uh, they've got uh, a QB room uh, coming out. Then we've got 3 o'clock. Uh, we've got the uh, live stream here on Texas football. Uh, then Justin and Joe uh, have questions answered. Tomorrow morning we have a pregame. Then we have the watch with us. Then we have the postgame. And then we may be doing something tomorrow night around 8.30, 9 o'clock, depending on what's going on in that Florida State, uh, Florida State Louisville contest. We're going to be here with you guys every step of the way. Uh, thank you all so much for uh, joining us this morning and the entire football season. That's right. And then don't forget to head on over to Inside Texas as well. Use promo code OTFIT23. For new members, you get a dollar for two months. You got to select the monthly offer. That way you can stay tuned to all the field fame, all the other recruiting, the portal news, everything else that Jerry, Bobby, and all the other staff there brings you. So, guys, I hope you all have a lot of fun today. Jerry, I hope you get a little bit warmer. Oh, I am. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm uh, hot hot chocolate at Yogi's, man. There you go. Be sure to go check out the guys, meet meet up with them, hang out with them. You, you got plenty of chances uh, for this weekend. And just enjoy the weekend. It's going to be a good one for Texas fans. There's no doubt about it. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. We would really appreciate if you would hit that like and subscribe button if you haven't. Like and subscribe. Yeah. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime we post a new video right here on On Texas Football. And for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll be back Monday morning. Hook them. <laughs>